welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including reviews and interviews, coming to you all the way from a post-apocalyptic future in Las Vistas. I'll be your co-host, Sean Paul Ellis, and joining me is a frog in a suit, a real mod frog, is my co-host Dave Trumbord. David, 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 how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, I was doing pretty good when I jumped into the show, but as you can see, my favorite tie... Uh... Cut. Just cut snipped. in half. Yeah. It's off balance, too. It wasn't like a clean cut. Nah, it's asymmetrical, kind of jagged. Some threads hanging out. Pattern is ruined. My visual OCD is just spiking off the charts I'll with looking it at off. it. I'll yeah, just please. It just please, please. Please. It feels please. a lot looser without it, too. A lot. I feel like Oof. a lot less uptight. I feel less like I have to like abide by some archaic mafiosa rules. <laughs> and I can just do what I want in this post-apocalyptic future. I can well, ride a dragonfly. Yeah, hey, the post-apocalyptic is all about you being you, you finding yourself, rounding up a bunch of friends and making a lot of noise in a city where everything wants to kill you. If you're listening out there, take that tie off. You don't have to cut it. You can save it for later. Take that tie off. And I'm going to go contradictory to Dave. Cut that tie off. Let's get rid of the gang. (laughs) Cut the tie. (laughs) Cut it off. Cut it out. We're all done. We're moving forward. The funniest part about that is even if you cut a tie, that doesn't do anything. You still have to like untie it from your neck. It just Please makes it more awkward. Don't take scissors anywhere near your neck. <laughs> PSA. Oh, man. Good PSA. Well, we wanted to kind of create a very, very quick segment uh, at the top of the show just to kind of take 30 seconds and talk very, very quickly about anything that Dave and I are watching right now yeah. that is outside of the scope of what we're about to talk about tonight. This episode sponsored by Scope. Yep. Sponsored by Scope. Get that minty fresh breath mm. anytime. So we're going to talk about something and spend 30 seconds uh, talking about something that we're excited about to to watch or something that maybe we've just recently watched this week in addition to Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. So Dave, what's something that we are watching, something that we're excited about, something that we're getting into that might be cartoon related, buddy? Yeah, what's funny is I'm actually uh, partway through my second watch of Kipo. I had the, you know privilege to be able to watch this early before it came out a couple of weeks ago uh but I, I wanted to go back and watch it again and actually just kind of like have time to enjoy it and and really kind of focus in on some of the stuff in the different episodes uh and be able to actually like stop and look at a frame or be able to just like hear bits of dialogue again or now that i know what's coming and what the general kind of story is i want to be able to go back and watch it again to let that kind of sink in because there's a lot of mythology so i am watching the, the second time through however uh this weekend a lot of people are probably watching bojack is Bojack Horseman on air for the last six years, coming to a close. And uh, my review's up on Collider. You can go check it out. We'll have an ending explainer up there as well, but we're not going to spoil that here, obviously. Uh, I don't think Sean's even seen all of them yet at this point. I actually, I have waited to watch the first part of the finale until now. So I really wanted to be able to kind of get them all in a clip. And in that streaming, easily digestible universe that we live in, there was a part of me that... I thought, I can't do the heartbreak of two finales over the course of a time. I'm going to wait and just kind of watch them all together. Uh, If you're familiar with my impression of this show and the episode that we have reviewed BoJack, this show means a lot to me. There have been a lot of moments where I've kind of, I've found parallels in my own life, or there have been just like crippling moments where I've thought, oh my God, that hits way too close to home. Uh, This show hits all those marks, and I'm probably just going to be sad for the weekend, so can't wait to get into it. Let me me ask you this, and so when you say you waited to watch both parts, you mean you didn't watch uh, season six part one yet? I did not. Okay, I, I hadn't either, and then I did for the review, so I did the same thing as I watched all, what, like 16 
Yeah. In the space of like a day or two, which is a lot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like emotionally for like a normal functioning human being. Luckily, I can like partition that in one of my like robot drives, so it's okay. Sure. Uh, and I can just kind of like get down to brass tacks. But I'll just say without any spoilers at all, an amazing and probably the only real animated drama series. It is funny. There's a ton of humor in it. But it honestly is a character-focused drama to me first. It's more in line with like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or anything that was on AMC than anything else you'd think of. Anything like like an animated sitcom. It's very it's it's of its own class. Uh, okay. No, it's fantastic, fantastic okay. ending. It kind of ended the only way that it could have, and that's all I'll say. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Looking forward to getting into BoJack Horseman, the finale this weekend. But for today's episode, yeah. we are going to be talking about Kipo and the age of the Wonder Beasts. I can't wait to get into this. This show is on Netflix right now from DreamWorks. But to get a little bit of context, to give us a synopsis of this actual show... We are going to turn it over to longtime friend and listener, Bobby Anthem. Bobby, give us a little bit of a synopsis, a taste of what Kipo has in store for us. So, Bobby, take it away. After spending her entire life living in an underground burrow, a young girl named Kipo is thrust into an adventure on the surface of a fantastical post-apocalyptic Earth. She joins a ragtag group of survivors as they embark on a journey through a vibrant wonderland where everything trying to kill them is downright adorable. Thank you, Bobby. As always, man, Kipo. Well, what kind of character do you think Bobby would be in this world? Do you think he would be a human living in a burrow? Do you think he would be a sentient mute, as they call them? Mute for sure for mutants, not not people who can't speak. Sure. Um, or something else. Uh, just because I know Bobby a little bit, uh, probably more than the average listener, I would 100% say he would be a Newton wolf because we're going to get into it. One of, uh, one of my favorite rappers or one of my favorite rap groups Uh, has an individual that is actually in the Newton Wolves, and I would want Bobby in there so that he could rap along with that particular character. And obviously you're talking about John Hodgman. Yes, I'm 100% talking about John Hodgman, and definitely not Jizza from the (laughs) Wu-Tang Clan. Definitely not that particular character. Bobby, if you're listening, we will send you a Carl Sagan sweater. Just give us a heads up. Just let us know. Absolutely John Hodgman. Not the genius, not the person behind Liquid Swords, 100% 100% John Hodgman in this instance. <laughs> Can't wait for that. I think Bobby's name was, would be Trillions. I think he would be in charge. He'd be oh, the alpha. Oh, gosh. That would be so good. Yeah. If alpha. we have Bobby as Trillions, spot on 100% what I want. Trillions. Season two. Look for it. Trillions yep. of the Wolf. Flawless. <laughs> Coming at you. Perfect. If you haven't seen this show, we sound like <laughs> insane people. <laughs> but we are going to now get into Kipo and, and really kind of take a look at uh, what was good, what was bad, and not ugly. We're not going to call anything ugly. We're going to talk about some of the things that made us laugh, whether it's intentional or unintentional. If you're thinking to yourself, Sean, that sounds like a spaghetti western with Clint Eastwood that I've seen. Yeah, you're pretty much right. That's where we stole this from. Yeah, we, yeah a little borrowed. Something borrowed, something blue, something new. I don't know. We, now you're married to the show. That's how this works. <laughs> good. Congratulations, everyone. Yeah, congratulations. We're all married together in a communal joint wedding. <laughs> International. <laughs> oh, boy. So we're going to talk about the good things in this show, what we really liked, what we really enjoyed, uh, our endorsements for it. 
we're going to talk about some things that didn't work for us. And I think that Dave and I have some difference of opinion in terms of some of the things that happened in this show. I can't great wait for that be, discussion. It'll be it'll yeah. be great to finally get to actually talk about that rather than just sounding it out in my own head and sounding like yeah. a crazy person. And if you're familiar with Dave, he just screams into a Coke bottle and it's then wrong. actually bottles it back up and then just throws it in the recycling. Because he does not want the apocalypse to happen. He's very eco-friendly. I recycle my screams. I don't know yeah. why you think that's a weird thing. It's <laughs> not. It's not at all. And then we're going to get gonna a nickel t- for everyone. <laughs> Perfect. We're finally going to round this out with being able to talk a little bit about what made us laugh, whether it was intentional or unintentional in this show. There's a lot of stuff to really get into. So without further ado, Dave, let's get into some of the good for Kipo. High level, what was something that immediately caught you that grabbed you and brought you in for this? I mean, how much time do you have, honestly? it's uh, it was About t- a little less than an hour. <laughs> it was tough to narrow down the scope of like all the good things that I want to talk about in the show. And I don't just mean for this particular episode, but I mean in speaking with the co-creators, uh, Rad Seacrest, uh, Bill Wolkoff, um, I interviewed them after the show came out and wanted to talk to them about literally everything. In my review, I tried to highlight everything that they did well because it just felt like everything across the board, they nailed it. Like they just checked those boxes and, and moved along and delivered something incredible. So the first thing that I'll say that grabs you is the visuals, because obviously it's an animated series. The first thing it grabs you is the visuals. If it looks different, unique, compelling, interesting, that's going to give you a leg up on pretty much anything else out there. And Kipo does. It's very colorful. The color of the characters doesn't necessarily relate to any anything from our real world. It's, it's, it's kind of like Doug, right? So like Doug had normal, in quotes, like kind of flesh-colored characters. I had like green-skinned characters. I had People different different colors that aren't found in like the normal human world unless you have some sort of <laughs> illness. Um, but yeah, just very wait. Colorful. Skeeter just wasn't always like Skeeter was recovering like kind of jaundice, from a I from a flu. He kind of jaundice care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, it's like you know, there's a lot of like purples and pinks and greens and just kind of like very vibrant Technicolor kind of um, a lot of Lisa sure. Frank kind of colors in there too. And because it's from Studio Mir. We get that kind of fluid animation, that very action-focused, kinetic, dynamic animation that we're used to from shows like Korra. Uh, right. Shows like, hopefully, the upcoming Witcher anime that they're also uh, producing as well. So, very familiar kind of style with them, but in a, a little bit more wild and edgy and futuristic world. So, that, that definitely grabbed me. But before I just run on and talk about everything superlative in this show, what worked for you? No, I, I agree with you in terms of location, environments, and visuals. Everything is so rich. It's so lush. It, it's dense and full of, of color. There's a part of this that kind of also has like what feels like kind of like a neon oh, to it in certain points. And it's just, it's so fun to look at, or even just as you're watching an episode, to just kind of pause and just kind of take everything in. Because, you know, I guess maybe in some cases we're a little bit spoiled and, you know, we, we watch cartoons all the time and we sort of just maybe take some of these things for granted, but to be able to actually sit down, look at some of these visuals, uh, it's gorgeous. Just the, the direction that they have for everything within the environments is super fun. There's so much action, uh, and it changes, you know, you get to see a lot of perspective in terms of what, uh, Las Vistas looks like during the daytime versus the nighttime, underground above ground inside of a, a water monster so i mean there's there's so many different things that that take place in these environments uh, and and i'm i was constantly surprised when something happened or popped up or or just kind of appeared in front of a lot of our titular characters 
uh, or at least the the group of characters that we had. Right. Um, it was just so much fun. There were there were moments where I I know that you are in the process of your second watch. I can't wait to start my second watch. It's that much fun of a show. And and it, it, that fun comes from the energy. It's got a lot of energy, but it's not like I want to say I want to compare it to like Adventure Time and Rick and Morty. Adventure Time had that kind of level of like fun zaniness where stuff would come out of nowhere. There'd be non sequiturs. Characters would sometimes literally roll in, have a one-liner, and then roll away. And you'd just be like, what was that? I don't know, but I loved it. And it was cool. And it catches you off guard, and it keeps you focused, and you wonder what's going to happen next. Whereas Rick and Morty has that kind of a similar energy, but it's more just like, to me, that's more of an anxious energy. And that that show makes me anxious sometimes, and it gives me anxiety. Where something like Kipo or Adventure Time, I can just sit and kind of watch and just smile and just be delighted and every once in a while, they'll say something that's kind of like, it's got a little bit more philosophical weight to it, or it hints at something in the mythology that you're like, oh, that's interesting. Can we explore that? Oh, no, we're off to the next thing? Okay. Or they'll introduce something like an EDMB that you're just having like a little, <laughs> a little rave in the bulb of a, a flower, or, you know, somebody's about to touch a, a death vine, which is just like littered with the corpses of animals, and it's like, it's dark, but they just move on from it, so you don't really have time to sit there with that. Just... The direction of it, uh, the art direction was handled by Angela Sung from uh, Legend of Korra Studio Mirror as well. It just works so well. I mean, they they just they nailed the tone, the dynamics of it, and just kind of the pacing of it. They just knocked it out of the park. Right now, I, I like your Rick and Morty parallel. That if you just removed the alcoholism and nihilism from Rick and Morty and replaced it with enthusiasm and optimism, right, and sugar. Uh, yeah, and sugar. So, I mean, it's just, but, you know, at the same time, like, this show is not 100% sweet no. in terms of what's happening. There's a lot of very critical or adult ideas that are thrown around in this show, even from the get-go. I mean, we're, we're landing in a post-apocalyptic environment. Uh, it's about 200-so years post-whatever happened. Uh, so you're, you're kind of dropped into the thick of this. Uh, understanding and learning a lot about Kipo and, and how she interacts in an environment called a burrow. Right. And these things are super fun. And, and, and kind of expanding out from just Kipo, this entire cast of characters that yeah. you have are just so imaginative, so enjoyable to see. Uh, I know that Dave, you were saying like, you know, they, they kind of like almost disarm you for a minute because you're like, wait, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Yeah. But, but that lends to sort of the the delight of this show it is, you know, a pig with four eyes and six legs named Mondo, who you get to see shots and perspectives just from the direction of just this pig, just this character, right. where you actually see a split screen <laughs> that it that bisects the screen on like the on the horizontal. Right. So you see two eyes looking to the left and two eyes looking to the right, like and then it kind of going. Yeah coming back and forth together like watching that you just sit there and just go oh my god this is so easy and this is so genius it's like looking through spider eyes but we only ever got that right so sometimes you'll get like rarely do you get like a a cyclops because there's not much you can do with that except not give it any depth but you usually get like the spider eyed view where everything's kind of like you know the yeah, weird compound eye and the compound yeah. eye and everything's or the fly eye exactly yeah yeah uh so then yeah mandus you get the you get the bisected vision but they right. play with a lot of perspective changes and scale uh they play with scale really well and i love that in uh pretty much any media that if, if the the director or the showrunner or whoever if they really have a sense of scale that sets it apart for me because that just tells me that you're 
you're aware that there are there's a bigger world around you and you're playing on different levels. I love that. Right. For all of these characters, there are distinct clicks that they have that are set up through Las Vistas. And watching the show, you're exposed to more and more and more of them. And I really want to kind of praise the pacing of how they yeah. were doled out in the series because as you're kind of coming to that, you know, I think it was like maybe in the eighth episode. So as you're kind of reaching that crescendo in terms of the the action and sort of the pursuit that is taking place, you're getting more and more of these characters and they're so fun. Each one of them has a unique, fun personality to see uh, anywhere from uh, jazzercising raccoons that live <laughs> Uh, that like in a in a trash dump yeah. to uh, to <laughs> like even the hummingbirds that they had that yeah. were there with these nectar bombs. These characters are so fun, and, and there's moments like just watching it where I'm just like, oh god, I want, I I, I want to start sketching these things. Like these things are yeah. so enjoyable to see. It made me want to start a webcomic again, which is a thing that I go through at least once or twice a year. But then I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't really know how to draw, so. That's going to be tough. <laughs> but it's a it's just it's so cool to to kind of see all these these characters uh living and existing in the same world uh, as David mentioned because of the scale of some of these characters. Did you have we a standout go, like like main character? Uh out of like the out of like the core 5? Yeah, do you have like a standout uh main character and then like maybe who was your favorite among the uh supporting characters? Oh man. Uh well, I want to say out of probably the supporting characters, I think I probably already kind of gave that away. <laughs> yeah. I definitely love Billions and Billions yeah. the from the Newton Wolves. Heck yeah. uh, Explain get a, them a little bit for people because I don't know that they'll make that connection without having watched the show. Sure. So the Newton Wolves live in observatory and they are wolves of science. And they want to be able to rap to you about everything that they know <laughs> about the known universe. And this is John Hodgman and Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan getting into explaining to you everything that they know from the Big Bang all the way up to present day. And it is a joy to listen to and to watch. I just I mean, want there to spin off of them to do like, because the idea for these guys was that they were like obsessed with Carl Sagan. Like when they, when they yes. gained sentience or whatever, they stumbled upon the observatory. Uh, we should mention this is all set in like post-apocalyptic LA. So if you're familiar with the Griffith Observatory, mm-hmm. that's what this is. So, yeah, the creator's idea was that they this was kind of a new creation for the show that didn't come from Rad Seacrest's uh, webcomic specifically. They created these wolves from a doodle that he did, and yeah, if they were obsessed with Carl Sagan, this is what they would have pursued. So they're they're like in the, that's where billions and billions comes from, Carl Sagan. So uh, they're kind of like in his footsteps, but I would love it if they just had a spinoff like science show, for, even of shorts, oh, like animated God. shorts, where they just rapped about like scientific concepts to kids and just did that for perpetuity i would love it if, if we get anybody just saying like here's the scientific method and it's just john hodgman fine and and genius just rapping and getting into this i would 100 percent not only buy that album which is i'd buy the physical album yeah. which that tells you how committed i am to <laughs> how awesome vinyl. this is yeah i would buy the vinyl for that i yeah. have a record player i'd get into it i'd be down for that it's that good to sort of see some of these characters i think that's probably one of those are my two kind of favorite supporting characters yeah uh, I will say probably my favorite character from like the core group who just continued to delight me the entire time, Dave. Yeah, same. Uh, Dave, it just... I don't a... like that he's named Dave, but uh, I like I like his character. He's a very fun character. Um, I, was, I thought maybe you were going to say Wolf. I wasn't sure. 
Yeah, I, I you know, it's hard. Character. It's hard because there are so many really cool characters that they have that are in that core five. Yeah. We're, we're talking about, we have Kipo, we have Wolf, uh, we have Dave, we have Benson and Mondu, the, the pig that we've talked about. And just Dave is this insect who has had sentience for 200 plus years. And the fun part about him is that <laughs> he goes through his entire life cycle uh, from like birth to to death to molting to being reborn. I want to say probably like half a dozen times. I think it's daily. Yeah. Uh, I it, think it, technically it, he's supposed to cycle through daily, but then sometimes because serious? of like, yeah, I think wow. because of through like stress uh, or, or overuse or things that happen that sometimes he can be affected. But for the most part, yeah, it's pretty much daily, which I love because Dave's like kind of like adult form in his prime. He looks like a Ben 10 superhero. Like he looks yeah. like, you know, an, an alien bug superhero, but he, you only ever get him for maybe like an hour. Uh, so it's kind of like save whatever cool action stuff you're going to do for the moment that Dave can be like an awesome bug superhero because yeah. his immediate <laughs> change after that is to be like this decrepit, dried up old little like <laughs> bug, <laughs> like just like a husk, a shell of his former self. Uh, and then he basically just like, dies and then uh, turns back into an egg which is kind of cool because he's basically immortal so he's got immortality he's got a superhero state and then the rest of him is just kind of like pure comedy and you do have to suffer through his teenage years but uh, usually only for an hour or two yeah i, I love the idea of him going from sort of normal dave yeah. like regular kind of like snarky dave to suddenly you know going through almost like a digimon or yeah. like a pokemon evolution <laughs> Where suddenly he's got way more confidence, yep. and he's then huge, that last strong, yeah, he can just fly. buff dude, buff insect dude, doing everything that he can. He's super pumped about it, uh, and then suddenly just to go back to this old man state where he's just like, oh no, <laughs> like, and that's wonderful. And they do so many visual sight gags with the oh, molting yeah. that uh, there's there's a particular dream instance where they have him molt multiple times throughout the course of it. And I lost my mind at how much fun it was to see that sequence because it was just very enjoyable. That dynamic between Dave and Benson, I just, I love watching it. It's great because it's a nice back and forth because they're friends. They take care of each other. So Benson will kind of provide and take care of Dave when he's in like egg stage or larval stage or kind of like just little baby stage. And then sometimes Dave will have to protect Benson when uh, he's older and bigger and stronger and whatever. So it's nice. It just goes back and forth. And they have a really nice kind of camaraderie. And we don't really know how they met or how they came to hang out and, and be together, really. Um, I love that relationship that they have. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, a big portion of the Dave and Benson relationship is the music that's involved. Oh, my God, the music. And, like, we never talk about music of these oh. cartoons except for maybe a theme song. But this show. I, I, I will say I, I watched the entire series over this past week yeah. with uh, – wife and friend of the show, Melanie Harker. And after watching even just the intro theme music, which has a background piece that sounds like it's played on one of those childhood Fisher Price pianos. <laughs> you mean for the a best portion of it? Yeah. yeah, I mean in the best possible way. Uh they it it has a unique sound and every time Melanie would hear it, she would say, I want that full song. I want that full song. It's so good. And there are plenty of moments where you have uh, you have Benson and Dave and, and Benson will pull out his Walkman and he'll hit a button and he'll start playing, you know, a, a particular band. Now, I 
I don't like doing this all the time when I'm watching shows, but I would hold on to my phone and have my music yep. ID app that was up so that I could figure out what song was actually playing so that I could immediately add it into a playlist. That's how great the music is. In if this. you're playing along at home too, A, the soundtrack is on Spotify, so you can check out the track listings and uh, the artists <laughs> and everything there, and you can kind of match it up to the show. Um, Cancel this show. I got to get on Spotify <laughs> right gone. now. Sean left the room already, so I'll feel the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> But I think it also if you for a low uh, low tech solution, if you put the captions on, I think oh. the captions have the artist uh, and the title as well, or at least just the title. I could be wrong. It might hmm. not be all of them, but yeah, you can use it to help figure out what music's going on. But just check out Spotify. The, when you heard that theme song, what did it? What immediately came to mind? Nothing immediately came to mind other than just sort of like a like a childlike wonder feeling that I had. Uh, I was excited to kind of see where it went. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. It was, un, it felt unbelievably pleasant and relaxing at the same time. What did it make you think of? Well, to me, and maybe it's because I knew this coming into it, but it's Spider-Verse. It makes me think of Spider-Verse. And oh. it's because Keir Lehman was the music supervisor for this show, but also kind of put the tracks and stuff together for Spider-Verse. So that is another animated movie where the music is a huge part of the storytelling, but it's also fantastic. Like it's great as part of the narrative. Uh, following along with Miles Morales. But it's also just a great standalone soundtrack by itself. Yeah. They brought him in to supervise the music here with composer Daniel Rojas. So the two of them worked together to kind of create the signature sound for Kipo. It's fantastic. Like, you would think that, you know, the animation's great, the characters are great, the art direction, the action, the, the dynamics, the storytelling's great. You would think, like, the music... The music is usually just kind of, like, it's it's good enough, you know? We rarely highlight the music outside of a theme song. But in this case, it just makes everything that much better, and it kind of stands apart as its own great thing, too. So, a lot of fun. Yeah. I will say, there is a song that's in there by the the D-Revolutions. Mm. It's called uh, Now You Know My Name. Mm. And that was one of the first songs that I, I heard it. I think it was a, a Benson track that he was playing. Immediately identified it on my phone and added it to my regular playlist. I was like, I want to listen to all of this all the time. But what, like, what a great way. And I'm usually not one to be like pro capitalist. Let's cram as many marketing things as we can into like all media and, and, and shows, but like what a great way to highlight artists and to introduce people to new voices and new talent and new music out there by actually showcasing it in an animated series where it actually works within the story of the show. And, and, to say that it works within the, the the story itself, I think is an accomplishment. The other crazy thing is to say, like with all of these different artists across all these different genres, everything fits into the universe and the story. Right. That feels like an accomplishment as well, because you know you could have, you know, during uh, a chase sequence, you could have, which there are a lot of chase sequences. There could be really really heavy kind of like driving music, but everything fits tonally and that's that feels outrageous i think and that's stop it dreamworks stop <laughs> it now you're I making too good of shows a lot of that comes from rad seacrest and and wolkoff as well because they when i talked to them they said you know they both kind of live in east la and they say east la has kind of its own sound and a lot okay. of those influences i'm sure make their way into this show so a lot of the artists that they probably hear or pay attention to or follow or, or came to them through other means they probably show up in the show because that's the music that they listen to. Seacrest is a, is a, was and is a skater from back in the day too. So, you know, kind of that skater culture and the music that comes with that kind of makes its way into the show. But to give you an example of how this works organically, to use a a buzz term as they use in the industry, 
versus something that's like purely designed just to sell more records, which is kind of the more cynical side of things. There was a new trailer that just came out for the new uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex 2045. A very CG-looking animated series. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of verbiage. Oh, boy. People are not happy because the show looks very, like, kidsy and CG and kind of very, very, like, soft and rounded and, and not the adult kind of, like, mature look of a, of a Gitz series that they're used to. But Yeah, because I definitely want Chibi when I think goes to the show. And that's ki- it's close to that. It's not quite that bad, Ugh. but it's close to that. Um, it's a little extreme, but it's close. But the other thing is they're like featuring a new soundtrack single by blah, blah, blah. And it's like some poppy track that I'm just like, that also doesn't fit. So there's a difference between something that's purely designed just to sell records and like point people to this new pop star that they're grooming and something that works organically in the storytelling, which is what Kipo has. So again, just another check of that box for things that actually work and (laughs) they work surprisingly well. I just looked it up and I'm going to be honest with you. It looks like bad PlayStation 2 graphics. That's pretty much what the YouTube comment said. So. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't I really don't like this. People it's also 2020. Right. What are we doing with your PS2 graphics? Knock it off. That's what stuff's going to look like by 2045, I guess. <laughs> no, can't wait. <laughs> but we got Kifo in the meantime. Two hun- we got, look, we've got 2045 for chibi graphics of uh, Ghost in the Shell. We have to wait another 155 years for Kipo to come back around. So it'll be okay. <laughs> Uh, anything else, Dave, in terms of good? I mean, I know that we've sung a lot of praises about yeah. this, and there are a lot of very particular things. This, I I feel like the only thing I can say that would be an extension of this is just you almost just have to see some of the artwork or just put on the first episode yeah. and, and just kind of take in everything visually and tonally. Like, it's, it's just so enjoyable. Look, if you don't like EDMBs or Timbercats or Umlaut Snakes or Mega Bunnies, or mega dogs, <laughs> like any of that stuff. If you don't like that, then it's not for you. But if yeah. you love that stuff, then this is absolutely your kind of show. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah, you yeah. hate imagination. Yeah, don't watch this. But if you love imagination, man, do we have a show for you? Or just like wish you had one. Like, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Uh, I do have to uh, take a moment to kind of spotlight some of the actors as well. So Karen Fukuhara, yes, fantastic from Shira, and kind of transitioned into her own kind of starring role here. She's Glimmer in She-Ra, correct? Yes, correct. Yep. And sometimes I can hear that a little bit of Glimmer, but honestly, no, for the most part, they're their own characters. Uh, She does a fantastic job as Kipo. Kipo is is tough because she's a great character. She's the everyman. She's the the person that the audience is going to relate to. She has to carry a lot of the burden, but I like that her character is one who doesn't just solve things with conflict. She doesn't just go out and uh, beat stuff up or smack it with a sword or cast a spell on it. She tries to make friends with everybody first. She tries to sort of take the thorn out of the lion's (laughs) paw. She tries to talk. She tries to be diplomatic about everything. And I really, really like that. And Karen does a, well, Karen, like I know her personally, does a great job of uh, of bringing empathy and charisma to that character. Yeah. No, I agree. I I just, everything about that character just in general is a joy. And, And to see her approach sort of problem solving, I will say at some point, and maybe this is, a little bit bad. I felt like there was a lot of let's just talk it out and be friends. And there were obviously some points where people were very aggressive towards her. And I'm I'm glad that it didn't feel like it was kind of uh, belabored uh, at some point. And they they kind of hit a natural groove with it. Uh, and also, just every time she had these these points of saying, you know, let's 
let's talk it out, let's be friends, let's let's figure this out a little bit more. It always led to a really enjoyable interaction with a new clique of characters. And sometimes just a big fight too, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes a big fight, you know, but you you wouldn't have known that until you kind of entered into or at least attempted that conversation. And so I, I give this show a lot of credit for sort of emphasizing and stressing the idea of friendship and communication through talking it out as opposed to like, hey, let's just let's just clench a fist and and throw into the fray, which is contrasted by some of the other characters that are in this show. And speaking of that, so one of the other characters that I really wanted to highlight is Dan Stevens of All yeah. Evil. I had no idea he was going to be so good at being like this <laughs> awful villain named Scarlemagne. <laughs> He so when I talked to the producers again, they they said they had this idea for for Stevens when he was in the recording booth. They were basically like, okay, think the Joker, you know, like like just use him as kind of like a, a starting point for how you're going to shape this character. There were moments when I watched this show, when I heard him laugh or I heard him give a delivery, that I'm like, holy hell, like he could do an incredible animated Joker. Like I would love to hear more voice acting from him because he would have done a fantastic job uh, as or he he may yet. As a version of the Joker, just really, really well done. And kind of like unhinged and really went for it, but wasn't so over the top to be... He didn't detract from the scenes. He made them, like, incredible. So he's the main villain, and he does a fantastic job, and I hope he does more voice acting in the future because it was yeah. a lot of fun. No, I agree. I think the only other thing that worked really well for me was just the mythology, but then maybe to your point, as we transitioned to stuff that didn't work so well, I wanted more of it. Yeah. Didn't get quite enough answers to my questions that I had. And I think that that's to sort of transition over to, to some of the bad. That was one of my, like, my bad. And and again, we've stated this multiple times. If my biggest complaint about your show is that I didn't get enough of the cool things in your show, you're obviously doing something right. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'm left definitely wanting more. I, I get the feeling like we're definitely going to see a season two. Yeah. And I know that they've already kind of teased a season two yeah. uh, a little bit. So. Dave just confirmed it's on its way. That's me. You can, Thank you, you can Dave. <laughs> source me here. Not really, because it's not legit yet. But yeah, I know. But you know, I, I'm just I'm excited about you know seeing where this story goes, and it's uh, it's a bummer because there are a lot of interesting points and revelations that kind of happen in sort of the episode seven, eight, nine time frame, even in ten, the final episode. Yeah, where you're sitting there and you're just like. What they throw is a lot actually at happening? You. Yeah, they throw a lot and, at you, and and you know there there has to be a lot in terms of the the mythology that this this really plays into, and they they just haven't gotten there yet. Again, it's you know there has been an event, and then this is two hundred years after this event in a post apocalyptic uh, Los Angeles, California. There's so many cool things that are there, and and again, watching it and seeing all the details in this environment. You just want more of it, which is awesome. It builds up a lot of goodwill so that by the time you get to that final episode, for me at least, I'm willing to I'm willing to let it come back for season two to kind of explore some of the like major <laughs> things that they set up that I'm just kind of like, wow, hold on. Let's maybe slow. No, we're not going to slow down. We're going to go full tilt into this. Okay. Yeah. It's um, They play with some interesting things that I did not see coming and I did not really expect, but I also enjoyed. I just want to see how far they take it and what the ultimate kind of point of all that is. And that's very vague for obvious reasons. We're trying to keep that part at least uh, semi-spoiler free. But um, speaking of some other revelations, maybe, there's one that didn't really work for me. Okay. Let's now, get into it. a lot of people love this. I saw a lot of people when this moment happened 
talking about it on social media, super proud, whether they uh, were find themselves similar to this character or they were just happy that it happened on a kid's TV show. Essentially, we can talk about this because uh, it's been out for a little while, so it's not, it is a spoiler. So if you want to go experience Kipo for yourself, maybe tune out now, come back after you finish this. But we get the reveal um, during a trip to Ratland Amusement Park, which I also love. <laughs> Kipo and, and Benson are kind of together, and they're just enjoying the rides and enjoying their time together, and they go on a very kind of like tropey uh, ride on top of a Ferris wheel. And Kipo kind of like blushes and then confesses that she, she likes Benson. And then Benson's like, oh, that's, I mean, that's cool, but I should let you know that I'm gay. And people love that on social media because he didn't say like, oh, well, I like you as a friend, but I don't really like you that way or I don't like whatever. He didn't hedge around it. He just came out and was just like, I'm gay. And people celebrated that and rightfully so. My only issue with it, it's not the fact that the character is gay. It's not the fact that he said I'm gay in the show itself. It's the mythology that was built around these kids and this world. And then that reveal that felt very 2020. It felt very contemporary. It mm. felt very much of our time. When they set up this world that was like 200 years in the future, it was so different and distant that humans were living below ground. Some were eking out an existence above ground. But then you set up things like, you know, Benson didn't know what a water fountain was. He thought it was a satellite dish or something to that effect. We also don't get a lot of his uh, background as far as we don't know where he com- he comes from. We don't know where he's been living other than hanging out with Dave. We don't know if he comes from a, a borough as well, as far as I know. So it's kind of like what societal thing did he grow up in that he knows what, you know, what gay is, what gay means? How does he know to sort of define it that way and with such confidence? And that in and of itself doesn't bother me either. It's just kind of like that moment took me out of the the futurism of the show a little bit because it just felt very contemporary. So what are your thoughts on all that? I just think that it's really important that they didn't beat around the bush in sort of, I'm not going to pick on DreamWorks's previous Voltron, Mm. uh, but, you know, there was a lot of, you know, hinting and then finally the establishment of a relationship for for Shiro. Before Uh, they (laughs) killed his partner. Before they killed his partner. And so, you know, I think that, you know, if anything, I, I think that, you know, seeing that in Voltron and just kind of seeing the the tropey problematic nature of that, but also, you know, at the same time, uh, like I'm not gay, and right. so I, I don't. I'm watching this from a pretty hetero heteronormative perspective, and there's a part of me that just thinks that all you know everything that I'm watching because of my lens uh, falls in line with kind of what I perceive those characters to be, and. I was surprised at this because they didn't beat around the bush at all for it. They just, Benson just stated, I'm gay. And to have a character, like a lead character in a cartoon, just state and just say, I'm gay. Uh, And I I know, I I understand the point of view that you're, you're having, you know, Dave about what that is. And I, I I want to say that I hope that we get more of Benson's backstory in yes. season two, please, uh, because we really didn't actually get any of Benson's backstory. No, uh, we got other backstory for other characters, but just sadly not Benson and Dave. Right, uh, and because I, I really want to see that fun meetup. That aside, you know whatever the point was, I almost want to give Benson the benefit of the doubt that he knows that he understands that that he's comfortable with that. Uh, and like there was a moment where, you know, you heard him say that and then it passed and you're just like, 
okay, they handled that. Like it's it's stated, it's done. Uh, like we don't need friends. to. Yeah, yeah, and we're they're friends, and like yeah, we don't need to dwell. Yeah. yeah, and we don't need to dwell on this fact that this character's gay. Like it doesn't have. It literally has almost no impact to the plot. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. And that That's was another reason forward. why it kind of like it just felt not out of place. It just kind of caught me off guard. But then you know, there's a few weeks ago now. As I was thinking about it more trying to stay within the context of the show. And I think that's really where my kind of like my initial clash came from, right? Right. Within the context of the show, okay, Benson knows what gay is. He knows that he is gay and he knows what it means. And he's confident talking about it, confident, comfortable talking about it. He doesn't know what a water fountain is. So in my mind, in the context of the show, in the show's mythology, he grew up in an environment where knowing what gay was, knowing how to define who you love or who you're attracted to, knowing that that was more important than kind of these archaic things from the past, like water fountains, which nobody's probably seen for 200 years. That was kind of nice, actually. And that almost like just that once I had that revelation, that like realization, it kind of choked me up a little bit because I was just kind of like, even though we've had like this giant mutant fallout (laughs) over 200 years, the fact that like, there's still a civilization where people are talking about very personal issues. Hopefully it was like a caregiver who was explaining to him, like, that's perfectly normal and natural. And here's how you define it. And here's a word to put to that. And here's how you define yourself if that's how you want to do it. And you can say that word and, and be comfortable with it. But don't worry about what these, you know, satellite dishes <laughs> are over here because that's not important. You know, that doesn't mean anything. It's just that when it happened in that moment on the show, I hadn't had that context. I hadn't had that kind of like, hadn't put those pieces of the puzzle together and we still have it. I don't know if that's really how it worked out or if I'm just kind of like grasping at straws here, but that was, that was the only thing that took me out of the show a little bit. It just felt very contemporary. Uh, But I'm hoping, like you said, we get more of Benson's background. Yeah. And more mythology in general too, about like how the fall happened, what humans have been up to all that stuff. Cause there's a lot of stuff we haven't talked about with like Kipo's parents and the elders, you know, the other adults and like what they've been up to for 200 years. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to say, if anything, it's reassuring that in 200 uh, years, we're still going to have uh, LGBTQA people who are in society, even post-apocalyptic. That's awesome. And in 200 years, I'll probably be a head floating in a jar, but I can still be an ally. So (laughs) I'm I'm hoping to be, I don't know what they're going to have at that point, but like once people kind of like fully cyborg themselves, like that is my, I'll find my niche in that, in that direction. You're just going to dock terror yourself in centurions and just kind of create it that way. Yeah. I can have a giant, just red metal stomping hydraulic claw foot that I can stomp around in. Yeah. hundred percent. You're going to be very excited come this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I've only got 11 more months to put that together. So crap. Uh, really pigeonholed myself on that. Uh, you can make it anything... out of paper mache. It's okay. I'll add sound yeah. effects to it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say, you know, the interesting thing, and we talked a little bit about the web comic for Kipo. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer for me. Yeah. Uh, Seacrest put this together. This is out there. It's it's there. And I wanted to go read it to understand Same. a little bit more. It is impossible to find. It's, it's like they like... scrubbed the internet and removed it. Except for maybe a couple pages that I found on Pinterest. Yeah, which and that's are... the thing. He has them like up on Pinterest randomly, or somebody grabbed them from a blog or something that he posted. But these were never kind of like serialized. They were never, as far as I know, they were never bound and like put together and published. It wasn't like you know we didn't have Joe Hill's uh, lock and key, and then all of a sudden you know 10, 15, 20 years later, we yeah. have the series of it. It was kind of like Seacrest put these together, and then 
yada, 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 eventually ended up getting an opportunity to put the show together. So it was like, it's kind of growing into its own thing now. Now, the plus side of that is that he can do his own mythology. He can develop it however he wants, you know, the team, however they want. They can add characters like the Newt Wolves, billions and billions. They can make things like the EDMBs. They can change the the path of the storyline. They can add stuff to the past. They can change stuff in the future. Yeah. So they're not beholden to anything, which is kind of nice. But yeah, I would have, I've definitely would have read these because that's what I was trying to do too. I was trying to find yeah. these and like just read up on them before I watch the entire show. Yeah. There's like one website, like Comics and Cola. So shout out to Comics and Cola. Good job, guys. It has a link to where the web comic used to exist, <laughs> and it's just it. My browser just use was your like imagination. Ah. I think my Google Chrome tried to calculate infinity and it was like, nope, not going to load this page for you. Sorry about that, which is a bummer. I would have loved to have gone into it, regardless of the direction that the show ends up going itself. I, I think, you know, because of all the questions and sort of the cliffhanger at the end of season one, yes. I wanted to know more. I wanted to read more. I was excited uh, and mobilized to go peruse the internet, see if I could find those answers. And that was my only other gripe, too. It kind of ends on, a, on an actual cliffhanger rather than, like, a resolution of the story so far. So, honestly, like, season one is, like, episodes one through nine, or however many were, there were. And then it felt like that next episode, the final one of the season, was sort of, like, a lead-in to the next season. So it kind of feels a little cliffhangery, but it's not that bad. Leave you wanting more. That's fine. Not that bad. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we found funny. We've talked a ton about these characters. Uh, We've talked a lot about sort of the the richness of the environments. What made you laugh out loud? It's it's hard to, like, we're kind of retreading over uh, dried ground already, but, like, basically just the characters. Because seeing the Timbercats pop up for the first time and just (laughs) seeing them come up over the ridge with their plaid and their suspenders and their axes and just being like, you're so cute but also terrifying. Uh... And just, like, learning what they're about and learning about Yum Yum Hammerpaw. Uh, the umlaut snakes were my absolute favorite. Oh, I mean, they're dynamite. Didn't they have Joan Jett as the voice yeah, of one Joan of them? Yeah, Joan Jett was one like, of the, the voices, so awesome. it's great. And the fact that, like, Kipo gets to rock out and Dave gets to rock out on the drums and also his antenna. Uh, <laughs> like, all that stuff was, like, super fun. Um, just seeing mega bunnies and learning about their mythology, like, little things like, well, don't touch a mega bunny because then the mega bunny mom will think that you're part of her, like, children, and she will come find you wherever you are. Like, the fact that that played into the story was hilarious. I'll say for me, there was a moment uh, when they are walking. It's kind of early on, but they're they're walking through sort of the the town area. Yeah. And uh, it looks like one of the kind of broken down, destroyed signs. It looks like it says uh, Ryan Seacrest. And uh, I didn't notice it at first. Uh, wife in front of the show, Melanie Harker, she saw it and was like, "What the hell does Ryan Seacrest have to do with this show?" And it's Rad Seacrest. Yeah, the, it's, the it's Radford Seacrest, the creator yeah. of the, the comic. And she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we both had to pause and look, and we just both laughed because we were just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe." We really thought that they snuck in a Ryan Seacrest reference as like part of a pharmacy. And but what I liked about reason, that even more. Was it wasn't just an Easter egg nod to the creator and, and co-showrunner. It was also a primer for what happened next. Because right. this was all part of them trying to solve a mystery that Kipo's dad kind of like, he's leaving little like uh, breadcrumbs for her to find their trail. Because right. they had to leave the burrow. She has to find where they are, but he can't just leave that information out laying around that anybody can find it. Because essentially we find out that some of these mutants who uh, don't have the best 
uh, <laughs> plans in mind for humans. They want to find and sort of like eradicate or enslave or whatever to all the humans because they are now on top of the food chain. The mutants are kind of like the tops and the humans are kind of on the bottom now. Everything's been flipped. Everything's been reversed. So the humans have to be careful about who they let into their burrows. So I love that it was just a fun little in-joke. It was an Easter egg, but it was also like, keep an eye out for the signs because that's going to be important later. Right. I I only have one final thing, yep. and it's not even an LOL, but I wanted to kind of throw it over to you, Dave. Any any final LOLs? Um, you know, I keep saying the EDMBs. I just loved every time they showed up because they just, like, the beat, when the beat comes out and you're just like, EDMBs are here. Like, you don't even have to be looking yep. at the screen. You just be like, ah, the bees are here. And they play a fun <laughs> part in the uh, in the story as well. But then also, anytime there's a tardigrade involved in storytelling, I'm automatically in. So even though uh, Tad Mulholland, of all things, <laughs> was this, like, massive, probably, like, a billion times the size that he should be, uh, sentient tardigrade that's kind of got, like, mystical properties to him, uh, I just loved everything about that episode. It was a blast. Right. Just that that whole kind of seeing and understanding how that was processed, that was so much fun. And it was very uh, L.A., too. It was L.A. Right. with, like, the dark side of uh, dark side of things, too. And I'll, I, that actually kind of segues into my final thought about this, is that in that uh, Tardigrade episode with Tad Mahalan, we we see Kipo's mom for the first time. Right. Um, and I want to say that that's important for, for two reasons. One, uh, you find out that uh, her mother is of Asian descent. Yeah, I think she's Korean. Because you get a you get a hint of that earlier when Kipo yes. names Mandu. She says, mm-hmm. oh, it's like these... Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, doesn't she say something like Korean steamed buns? Or maybe she doesn't yeah. use the word Korean, but I, I thought she was Korean. And and you see her dad also making, right. like, Korean or Asian food at some point. And like her he's making, like, pot stickers too. and gyoza. Yeah. yeah and her dad, Which, we don't know what his, his background or anything is, but her dad's black, too. So she's of a mixed race, yeah. And this brings us to the final point that we neglected to mention during good, which is a huge point for this, the representation in this show dynamite. Yeah. Uh, every, every character that we've talked about Wolf Benson and also Kipo uh, all African-American or people of color, at least like, because yeah. some are mixed race and some are, or whatever. Yeah. There's no white people in the show, which is like, yeah. cool. Like, like I mentioned earlier in the beginning, like everybody's kind of technicolor, but as far as like the actual human characters in the show, there's not people that look like Sean and myself. And guess what, guys? I didn't care. Like, it wasn't like, oh, where's my representation? I, I can't relate to this show because no one looks like me. I was like, no, I want more of this. Yeah, this is dynamite. Yeah. I'm really into this. This is so cool. Uh, yeah, just really, really fun to kind of see that uh, in such just an excellently executed cartoon um, from start to finish. It's just so much fun to see that representation, to see people of color in this particular uh, show as well as also to see too that the voice cast and yeah. the actors uh in many cases just a lot of representation so that's awesome yeah Dynamite they're, doing, they're doing everything that like you're you know ethically kind of supposed to be doing these days because they're aware of sort of like the culture but also aware of like i don't know the right thing to do so yeah. it's actually kind of nice <laughs> to just see it and so effortlessly done too like it's not difficult yeah. guys if you have you know people of color who are acting for characters that are also people of color, it's pretty easy to kind of go hand in hand. And it's pretty flawless and seamless. Like, God. you don't miss a beat. You can have compelling characters no matter where they kind of come from it's... or what their backgrounds are. And you don't have to make it all about that either. And the show yeah. doesn't. It's very much like Benson's kind of reveal that he's gay. It's just kind of like, 
it's there, it's presented matter-of-factly, the characters address it, internalize it, and then just move on with their adventure. And it works yeah. really well. Listen up, everybody. 2020, year <laughs> of when more things like this are going to happen. So very excited. retrospectives. Yes. Uh, that is it for our good, bad, and LOL. We are going to get into our final review. I, you can probably already figure out the direction yeah, I think we're you going think in. If you've been paying yeah, attention, maybe you just skipped to this part like a weirdo. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it really took you over 55 minutes for us to sell you on an amazing show that you probably could have watched three episodes yeah. during this time. If you so, skip the intro. Yeah. One, thank you. Two, <laughs> go watch Kipo in like a couple minutes. Yeah. Is that your review? Uh, no. So I, <laughs> I'll get into it in a second. Actually, yeah, that is my review. That is 100% my review. Go watch Kipo. It's excellent. If this is the direction that 2020 is going to go in with fun, imaginative animation, I'm looking forward to the rest of this year. Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts? What's the opposite of a dip? Oof. Uh, can we, like, anoint? Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Was that too secular? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of something like... Um... I wanted to like like bronze it, you know how they used to do in the day to like preserve something. They're like, well, bronze is the best thing we got laying around. To keep put it around, in platinum, so. like put it in platinum, dip it yeah, in platinum, just dip it in platinum, um, dip it into platinum. I don't know. It's just it feels like one of those things where it just feels almost too good to be true right now. Yeah, it's rare that an animated series or cartoon or whatever you want to call it comes out and is just like immediately acclaimed, immediately like just just picked up by you know by people by culture. By all that, and and maybe it's just because I'm kind of in a bubble here on Twitter and and within like the animation section, but it's not quite hit that like broad mass appeal yet. But everybody who has watched it instantly loves it. I haven't seen any kind of negative talk about it. Everybody praises pretty much everything that we've talked about over the last hour. So I don't know. I'm just waiting to see what they kind of do next, and I hope that it makes it big. I hope that it 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 becomes on the level of like an adventure time or Rick and Morty. And like really people like get obsessed with it and, and just start to ask more questions and to start, you know, there's a lot of fanfic and a lot of fan art out there. And I want to see more of that. So yeah, absolutely. Go check it out. I mean, it's yeah. an easy review. Yeah. Very easy simple. recommendation rather. That's it guys. Go watch Kipo age of the wonder beasts. It's out now on Netflix, the whole, all 10 episodes go binge it. It's wonderful. Ah, <sighs> We didn't That's even it. talk about the craziest parts. Go find out for yourself. Yeah, I know. We're going to keep this. We kept this pretty much spoiler free. Pretty, pretty so, spoiler free. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, you heard him on this episode. Our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, along with his co-host Bobby Blades. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And Bobby also has a solo show that is in the same exact feed as Inhuman Experience. So just find Inhuman Experience and you get a bonus show that's called In Search of My Lost Soul. Uh, you can find all of these in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, just about anywhere that you find podcasts. So go check it out. Dave, what do you got going on? First of all, when you said underscore for Bobby's uh, podcast Twitter handle, I thought you said umlaut, just like in the back of my head because I'm still thinking about the umlaut snakes because I love them so much. <laughs> Uh, if you want to talk about more Kipo, you can chat me up either over at Collider.com or on Twitter at DrClawMD. And if you want, you can check out my book, The Science of Breaking Bad, from MIT Press, wherever Dem Books is sold. Sean, buddy, what's going on with you? Oh, man. Gang, as always, I do live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform in Washington, D.C. for 
Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. And you can check out Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Also, you can search The Bureau on, uh, I believe, just Spotify right now. But you can search The Bureau. It is a improvised comedy podcast. If you ever wanted to hear me acting like I work in HR for the FBI, it's me joking around, having fun. Don't worry. They're not super long. They're 30-minute chunks that I think is very digestible and uh, a lot of fun. So you if can you check out If you want a job recommendation, just ask Sean and he'll sign one off as an HR rep from the FBI. Can't wait. Health, health and human resources, Dave, going on right here. So a lot of different hats that I'm juggling at the same time. So you can go check that out. Uh, first episode is out now. Nice. Want to support us? Thank you, first and foremost. We really appreciate it. You can go over to our Patreon page and you can see how you can support us. You can also just tell a friend because we don't understand how Apple iTunes or reviews work. Everybody says that they help. I don't know. You guys go out and you do that all the time and you're very kind about it, uh, except for those couple people and you know who you are. Uh, But who knows? So just tell a friend. They'll probably enjoy the show. We really appreciate it. As always, you can slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that is morning with the U. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find all of these links in our link tree in the bio for all of our social media sites. Don't worry, Mom. It's not spam or a virus. It just says link tree, and it's got a bunch of different buttons. We made it real simple for you. And you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere that fine podcasts are sold. Thank you, gang. Man, Kipo, what a I just I almost want to play like the D Revolutions just to like tune us out, but I'm worried about cease and desist. So. You can do it. What are they gonna do? They're not gonna eh. listen this far. Eh. They're not gonna really? listen an hour in. Nah. Next Maybe time. next time. Next time. <laughs> next time, gadget. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.